Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here, Rich Rebar, TA, Team here, Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, heading into week six. It's crazy how that happened already. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good, man. It's, yeah, mid-October. We're, we're really making moves here. You know, we keep getting like a scare a week, but it looks like the, our, our latest news of the Falcons isn't as serious, you know. We didn't want an Alexander Madison week ruined. Uh, <laughs> Mike Boone week, you mean, right? No, I'm just <laughs> that, that, that probably uh, brings up bad memories for guys like me who uh, picked up Mike Boone at the end of last season thinking it was like a fantasy football championship or semifinal, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, superstar, and he just lays an egg. But, uh, yeah, they look good on uh, Sunday night. That was, um, you know, one of the plays I talked about last week, the Vikings. Um, Should have won that game. Oh, my God, that fourth and one. I'll, for the for the life of me, I'll never uh, understand why coaches don't don't run a quarterback sneak there. But you know, whatever. Madison missed his hole. He had a wide open, probably an easy touchdown if he if he just you know jotted le- uh, jotted right instead of left. But um, yeah, uh, it is what it is. But yeah, that no, should be uh, should be a good week. And uh, you know, we finally got some for me personally. Like when I model out some of these games, uh, I like looking at some opponent schedules and strength the schedule and you know to me the first couple of weeks you don't do you don't have that, that that data yet so now we're in week six we're getting four or five games of data that I think is helping us kind of figure out you know who are the real contenders and pretenders and uh, uh we're starting to get to that point so it should be uh, should be a fun week yeah we'll see that there's a couple interesting slates uh games on the slate this week uh but uh, before we get started it's a good time to let everyone know sharp football analysis the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information you can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. If you use Sharp20 uh, as a code, you can get 20% off any product site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. So we do have an interesting week. There are some games I think we've kind of been talking lately where we've been seeing kind of weird spreads that are, you know, the touchdowns or more. We have a lot of closer games um, this week. So uh, let's, let's just dive right into the games. What we'll, what stands out to you guys this week? Well, I think the first thing to jump into is just what do we think now with the, with with Dak Prescott's injury? How does how does this affect the Cowboys and how did it move that line? Because the Cowboys, I assume, would have been favored in this game. They were what two and a half point favorites, and then it swung uh, with the Dalton injury. So, how do we think the Cowboys and Dalton are going to perform? And do we think that this is kind of an overreaction to uh, you know what happened with Dak Prescott? Yeah, no, I think that was one of the games I hit early. I, I have Dallas plus three, uh, laid a little bit of juice. But, yeah, exactly. I I was shocked. Normally, normally my process is before I, I look at the lines, I just kind of um, guess or, you know, I don't model them out yet because I think injuries are such a big factor. But I just kind of guess. Um, and I'm usually within a point or half a point almost, you know, probably 90% of the time. And this one I had Dallas minus one and a half. And so when I saw Dallas plus you know, two and a half to three laying juice. I was, I was floored. I had to like double, I had to do a double take. Cause yeah, like you said, they were favored by two and a half to three on the look ahead. So it's about a six point five to six point swing. And look, Andy Dalton isn't an elite quarterback, but he's not that far off of Dak Prescott. I mean, maybe this line probably should be closer to pick maybe minus one for Dallas. Um, so maybe it's a two point difference. You know, look at look at Andy Dalton as an underdog in his career. If you look at him, um, it's kind of a, a short underdog, so less than seven points. He's covered sixty three percent of the time, so he, he's pretty good in these spots. Um, and if you look at his kind of DVO, DVOA ranks as a quarterback, 
the last uh, 40 years and you know he's he's sitting at 12 24 17 26 kind of like that you know below average uh, level and Dak has been 17 26 6 and he's 14th this year because he's turned the ball over so much I think that's probably why but you know Dak is good and I think he's probably you know what in the you know, six to eight range in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL and in that ballpark and to me if, if you consider Dalton kind of a league average starting quarterback maybe slightly below you know, it's a couple point difference, but it's not the end of the world. And we saw him step in last week and he moved the ball, you know, pretty easily, you know, spread it across uh, between Gallup and Lamb and, and Amari Cooper. He's got all the weapons in the world uh, and he's going up against a Cards defense, which is not good. Um, they're not good. And they just lost uh, their best defensive uh, uh, front seven and Chandler Jones. You know, he's out for the year. Devin Kennard, who's uh, first in or he was first in pressures before last week. He, he's still questionable. He's missed the last two games. And Arizona has faced the single easiest schedule of opponents. If you look at net success rate um, in the NFL, they face the second easiest schedule of opposing pass offenses. You look at their, look at the, the quarterbacks they've faced, um, you know, Joe Flacco last week, Dwayne Haskins, you know, um, Garoppolo week one, um, Matt Stafford and, and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. So it's not been a murderer's row here. So I think, Dallas is definitely going to be able to move the ball. Um, and we know Kyler Murray's really struggled this year throwing the ball. Um, they haven't been impressive. So for me, there's no, no justification for Arizona to be favored. I think by the time this kicks off, uh, Dallas will end up being a one-point favorite. So I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. Kind of how do you quantify the gap between Dak and Dalton based on you know, some of the numbers you look at or just you know, in general what, what your thoughts are on that? So it's interesting because you want to say like my my first reaction was Dallas is probably going to be the fine, especially in the NFC East because you know I said I think I said in, in first and ten Andy Dalton might still be the best quarterback in the NFC East right now. Um, that's not a super high bar, um, cons- just you know considering how Carson Wentz has played, which has been awful, um, and Daniel Jones has again been terrible, just reinventing new ways to turn the ball over. Um, every week and then whatever is going on in Washington is just there's really no even explaining uh, what's going on there the quarterback change didn't do anything there was no passing the ball you know beyond five yards past the line of scrimmage last week when Washington made that QB change so you want to say that in terms of that Dallas is going to be okay but you don't want to you know say that Andy Dalton is anywhere near what Dak Prescott was because Dak was playing really well and he, his efficiency numbers probably would have been better if that defense was any good at all. So I think that's what we're going to have to see. And I, I think part of what might be something that we have to watch with Dallas and, and why some of these point totals might be lower is they might feel the need to start running on first down more often. Again, they started the year doing that and it didn't really work. And they got Dak throwing the ball on early downs more often. They were you know super high on first and 10 runs um, early on in the season. And then they had one of the highest pass rates on, on second down. But I wonder now if they go back to that, I think they really shifted during that Seattle game where they had to throw on early downs. And that kind of went forward in the next couple games. So I think if they start running Ezekiel Elliott on the next couple games, then it is going to be something where they might be in, in third and longs. And that's not something you want to have Andy Dalton in. So I think we'll, we'll just have to see because we haven't really seen, you know, a, a good Andy Dalton in a while. We know, you know, uh, you know, back in 2015, that's five years ago now, but when he had that super uh, supporting cast with AJ Green um, and, and everybody there, that was a, you know, he was like second in DVOA before he, you know, broke his finger and missed that 
last part of the season. So it'll be okay. I I think we kind of have to balance that. But I think when you put in that defense um, and throw that in, I I think this is, you know, going to be a team that could have been below average or above average to, you know, possibly are around average below average if you put everything together. So they they might be able to score some points, but I'm just not sure how much this team is going to be able to do. And when you look at Arizona, they finally kind of had that passing performance that we wanted to see last week. Again, it was against the Jets, but you like to see good teams beat up on bad teams that that's what good teams do it's not so much how you perform against other good teams if you can beat up on a bad team that's that gives the mark of a good team so we we saw um we saw Kyler Murray kind of have that deep ball performance that, that we wanted. They threw it deep a little more often. The passing game was opened up. So I think we'll see that a little more. That, that Dallas defense still can't really cover anyone. I think they, you know, we saw the the stoppable force against the movable objects last week against the Giants offense. Um, and so I think that was so much more of the Giants offense that made the Dallas defense, you know, look better. The, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is, is starting to, or sorry, um, He's, he's starting to come, but it's still not a lot of pressure getting produced there. So I think we'll see Arizona be able to score more often than they did. Uh, so it, I think this will be a close game. I, I think the, the, you know, the one and a half, it sounds you know right to me. I think Arizona is probably a better team than we saw the past couple of weeks. And Dallas, I, I think definitely takes a hit. It, it might be an overreaction, but probably maybe not as much as we would think. You know, Dalton... It's going to be interesting if fits because, you know, obviously, you know, he, the surrounding talent he had in Cincinnati those last few years was, was waning off of the early, you know, good Cincinnati teams that he was on to start his career. And now he's getting thrust into a, an offensive climate that at least has surrounding playmakers. The offensive line obviously has a lot of question marks. But if you look at Andy Dalton, the one benefit he has is he gets rid of the ball. Uh, you know, if you go back to the, the, the previous nine years, you know, not counting this year, he's been top 10 in time to release the ball. Uh in every season, he's been top five in seven of the nine years, and he's actually led in four of those years. So he's going to get rid of the football uh, and get it out of his hands. You know, so that's one thing where he he can kind of combat this, you know, offensive line. He's used to playing the bad offensive lines in a sense as well. If we want to qualify, this is a bad offensive line. Um, yeah, you said Kyler finally got it going vertical downfield last week, and the Jets were thirty second in the NFL and in defending the deep ball. So it was a good spot for him to kind of get going, but he had a couple of matchups earlier in the year where he didn't take advantage of that. So it's good to see him kind of have a matchup and exploit it. That's what we've been waiting for, for him. And, you know, looking to hit it. And I'm sorry about your giants, you know, kind of getting the raw end of the deal and having a couple of touchdowns come off the board last week on just mental gaffes and questionable calls, but uh, you, you almost had it. My son was jumping up and down thinking that the, uh, you guys are going to pull that one out. Yeah, I'd put, I don't think you need to even uh, throw me in with you guys anymore. I have, ah. I have absolutely. Um, Our obligatory uh, uh, Dan uh, Giants mention we have. There's to yeah, there's no emotion going into these games anymore. And for a uh, for a team that spent all off season uh, working on the fundamentals, um, they uh, they mess up quite a bit. So uh, we'll see, but yeah, I think you've been hurt so much (laughs) that, that Dallas off uh, that Dallas defense kind of, it it looked okay last week, but again, it was because of what the giants were doing. I think we see a lot of times in these types of, of games, the, the offense is what dictates uh, the performance on both sides of the ball. So I I think Mm -hmm. we'll get, we'll get Arizona rolling a little bit more. I think they still have a lot of questions to answer in the running game. Uh, Maybe we'll see a little more chase Edmonds because, you know, Kenyon Drake just isn't getting it done. One of the, worse in in rushing yards below expectation uh, per next gen stats and that was a running game last year that 
was one of the league's best and Cliff Kingsbury was able to just scheme wide open holes um, and anyone they put back there was super efficient and that's just not the case uh, this year but I think you know Arizona will probably be able to to throw the ball I think outside of you know Chidobe Uwuzie they Dallas doesn't really have anyone who's going to be uh, able to cover um, and now they're they're losing a little bit on the the interior defensive line um, so we'll see. I, I think this is another place where we see, well, I mean, we talked about, you know, even with the jets being a, a bad team that Arizona took advantage of that. That's what the Cowboys are. They're one of the worst defenses uh, in the league this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, another, a really good, um, at least, at least, um, if they try to push it vertical, uh, in this matchup and, and I could see them having success. Well, here's, here's the one thing you guys were talking about with, with Dalton. I think you don't have to change the offense because he, he's, he's mobile enough. You know, Dak is mobile. He isn't, you know, not Kyler Murray, but he can move and he can run that RPO. And so can Dalton, you know, he's a little older, but he's, he's run that before. So I think you don't necessarily have to do anything offensively. That's different from a personnel standpoint, game plan standpoint, strategy standpoint. Um, I think they're going to be fine. Like I said, if they were facing a really good defense this week, maybe I'd feel a little different, but you're facing the Cardinals who the front seven is just a mess. Um, and teams have moved it on them. And again, they've faced absolutely nobody. Um, this is by far, um, you know, they're going to be their, their biggest test from a personnel standpoint offensively. So I, I just think from a, you know, uh, pure gambling perspective, betting perspective, Dallas has to be favored or this has to be a pick. You, you can't just lay, you can't lay uh, uh, points with, with Arizona here, in my opinion. So uh, it should be a fun game, though. I, I don't think the, the drop-off from Dak to, to Dalton is going to affect this, this uh, um, you know, the output here. Uh, so it should be, should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think my, my biggest concern there is I get you don't have to, you know, it would change much. But I, it's, I think if, you know, Dallas does go into that run-heavy type of you know philosophy i think that could change everything more even if you know the drop off there and, and dalton might not it could be able to take advantage of some of um the the receiving weapons i think if they're running on first and second down more often that could just fundamentally change by by not really even no matter how much the drop off in the quarterback is if they feel like that's a huge drop off and they start running more on first and second down and that's just going to put a, a a cap on that ceiling of that offense I think they probably should run like a little more 10 personnel spread it out a little more get Cedric Wilson on the field a little more take advantage of that you know Andy Dalton quick release I think that's probably more beneficial to the offense than relying more on Ezekiel Elliott but we'll see um so let's kind of move I guess backwards through this slate oh with the yeah. other Monday night game um, that was going to be, uh, you know, it looks like it was going to be two of the best teams in the AFC, I guess probably still is, but the teams that had their real worst games of the season, the Kansas city chiefs uh, falling to the, the air raid Raiders. <laughs> um, and then uh, the Buffalo bill is just getting worked by the Tennessee Titans uh, on Tuesday night. So uh, that line currently I'm looking at DraftKings is still Kansas city minus uh, three and a half at Buffalo. Uh, so what's your guys take on this game? You know, we're seeing it. We've talked about it on the show outside of that Ravens gaming teams are just dropping back and, and really rushing like three or four against Mahomes and just dropping guys back in coverage and, you know, kind of living with what happens. He's still, you know, putting up yards, but you just, their teams aren't blitzing him and putting them in, in man-to-man spots where he's just destroyed, you know, over his career against the blitz. Uh, and, and, and he's still good. Like his rate stats are still good against zone coverage and non-blitz, but like, they're just not as amazing. Like it used to be, I remember when people would say like, 
Drew Brees is on the road, but then like Drew Brees in context on the road was like still better than every road quarterback. He was just right. not Drew Brees at home. Uh, that's like kind of what we have with Mahomes versus the blitz and like the non-blitz. Uh, so you're st- so people are just living and making them paper cut them and, uh, you know, try to get a mistake or two. And that's kind of what is, we've seen every team outside of Baltimore do. Um, and, you know, the, the Chiefs have just looked a, a hair off of being the juggernaut that we know that they potentially can be. And then, this whole like Clyde Edwards Flair thing is is getting really weird. The way they're calling plays in the red zone, uh, you know, just you look at Clyde Edwards and you're like, you you say, yeah, it's just variance. He hasn't gotten scoring opportunities. But then you go and look at every play call they've had the past three weeks, like inside the ten, and they're running fullback shovel passes and jet motion passes and t- a tackle eligible plays. And then last week Clyde Edwards had three plays actually called for him but none were power runs. One was a speed option and then two designed rub routes. And you just like wondering, especially as we head into this waiting on this Le'Veon Bell news. And if, he, if this is one of the destinations he goes to like how much uh, of him being a 200 pound back that didn't cash in, you know, any of those six opportunities in which like five weren't even his fault in the opening game, but the, it's, it's clearly shown up in their play calling in the red zone that they're cognizant of not running just power plays. And they haven't done any of it the past three weeks in their games, any opportunity they've had. So it's interesting to see if that will play into it. But this game was one with we were looking at to be like two five and O teams, class of the AFC, and it kind of lost a little steam, but off of both performances last week. You know, uh, I think especially the Bills because the first time like the Bills looked like the kind of a Bills team we thought like could happen. They were doing everything so right through four weeks, you know, play action passing, running spread offense, you know, using Josh Allen in a capacity that, you know, he hadn't been used at this point in his career. And then they kind of just like reverted last week and kind of did some things that weren't, you know, palpable. And then obviously they didn't have people available on defense that, has, you know, been exploited weekly for them. Uh, their defense has not played good, the, the opening four games. But this game lost a little bit of steam. But uh, I, I'm still, like, looking at the Chiefs as still the class of the AFC despite, you know, losing that home game to the Raiders. And then, you know, that, that, that Josh Allen game just put enough fear in my heart to say, like, ooh, all right, they're not completely out of the woods yet. Yeah, and there, there's a, there's so many things that point to the Chiefs here. <laughs> um, you know, oh, it's funny you mentioned, by the way, and I don't have the stats on this on uh, on hand, but feels like it's a system issue for for goal line uh, purposes. Because I know I've looked at Kareem Hunt's um, even when he was the rushing champion, and you know, a couple of years with Kansas City, he wasn't great at the goal line. We know he's a good goal line back in general, but he wasn't really that great. Um, we know, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Um, you know, Williams wasn't that great at the goal line. So I don't know if this is a, um, you know, a scheme thing um, or not, but, you know, that would be interesting to see kind of historically, uh, Rich, what, uh, what other goal line backs have done for, for the Chiefs um, to see if there's a kind of a correlation there. But in general, this is, to me, there are so many factors pointing to the Chiefs. One, you know, coming off an embarrassing loss um, at home to, to, to Raiders. We saw what happened last time. I mean, they didn't even lose to the Chargers. They just didn't look great. And everybody was on Baltimore. And the Chiefs just went in there and pounded them. So it feels like they're almost, you know, off a Super Bowl when, you know, they kind of show up when they feel like showing up in these big games. And this could be one of them, especially when people are starting to doubt them. So that's kind of a great bounce back spot. Number two, and this is also going to apply. It's not as big as uh, Houston, Tennessee, but, you know, we kind of have an unprecedented, um, you know, coming off a Tuesday game. Now you're, you're playing Monday night here. So it's, it's only a one game uh, difference, but the Chiefs will have a two game or two day rest advantage, which is very, very rare in the NFL. You don't get that very often. 
Um, it's only happened a few times historically. So curious to see uh, how that rest advantage, uh, you know, helps Kansas City versus Buffalo. Um, but, you know, Josh Allen kind of showed after all that MVP talk and how great he looked in the first few weeks. I mean, look, let's look back. Who did he really face in those first few weeks? He didn't really face many good pass defenses. And, uh, you know, Tennessee schemes up very well. We know Vrabel with what they did against New England and uh, Baltimore last year in the playoffs. And, you know, when you give him some time, to game plan, he does a really good job of, of disguising coverages, et cetera. So I think he did a really good job against uh, Josh Allen. Allen did not look good at all. Should have had multiple interceptions there. Um, and now he goes, uh, you know, up against a, a good Chiefs uh, pass defense, number two in DVOA. They weren't great last week, but in general, they're they're a good pass defense. You know, and offensively, uh, the Chiefs should have their way with this Buffalo defense. I mean, the Buffalo was awful last week, but they've been awful all year. I mean, they're 31st in pressure rate. Um, they're, tw- they're 24th in DVOA pass defense. You know, they're, they're um, 25th in defending the deep ball. Obviously, horrible things against uh, Pat Mahomes in that offense. And now you don't have – I mean, they're missing so many guys from, from Tuesday. You know, on a short week, is Tredavious Wright going to play? Is Matt Milano, who's their best linebacking uh, coverage guy, uh, is he going to play? Uh, you know, offensively, is John Brown going to play? Like, I think there's so many questions there. I lean to me, this is a kind of a Kansas city money line play for me. Um, I haven't hit it yet. And I, I, I'm not sure about the spread. I think once you get over a field goal and on the road, I guess a little tricky, but um, you know, I think this is a good money line opportunity for the chiefs. You can pair it up with, you know, a, a bigger, bigger favorite on Sunday, if you want that, that you really like. Um, but to me, this is, this is chiefs all the way. And um, I think this is a little bit of Josh Allen coming coming back to earth a little bit. Um, and so we'll see. If, the, if Buffalo can rise up and win this game, I'll really be – I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be impressed. But I don't, I don't see it right now. So, um, to me, this is Chiefs. Yeah, the Bills defense particularly, you know, the, the previous two years they were third and fourth in passing EPA, pass defense EPA, and they're 22nd right now. And you talked about them being 24th in DVOA. That's been the real hang-up that hasn't been exploited yet, and that's what we finally saw – uh, last week, you know, it, it happened for like two quarters of the Rams game. Uh, but outside of that, they really haven't been pressed, uh, you know, by good offenses. And, you know, that's what they're going to get here because I mean, I definitely hold the chiefs uh, a bar ahead of the, of the Titans for sure. Yeah. And, and it's super interesting, especially I think on the other side of the ball where Rich, like you said, we've just seen defenses right now, they're completely selling out against the chiefs to stop the big play. And that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. And they're okay. Funneling passes uh, to the short middle of the field. Uh, they're forcing some of those, you know, check downs to Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um, and I think that's coming up to, to some of the, you know, uh, efficiency things that you're seeing with uh, Edwards Alaire targets. I think some people are saying that they're running too much of the passing offense through there, but I think they're kind of forced to right now. So I think we're just seeing defenses just desperately try to stop the big play and, and they they're okay with allowing those passes and, and the chiefs aren't going to force stuff. So uh, if those passes to the running backs is, if that's what's open, that's probably what Patrick Mahomes is, is going to throw. And then we're seeing them start pressing a little later uh, in game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, Buffalo does like to sit back in, in that zone coverage, especially if Tredavious white plays, you know, one of the best zone corners uh, in the league right now. Um, and, and we'll see, they have two really good safeties uh, in uh, Mika Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer. So, Oh, we'll see how that goes there. Like TA said, if Matt Milano can play because they have they spend a lot of time in nickel because they trust Edmonds and Milano to be able to cover, um, especially even tight ends like you know Travis Kelsey. 
they they are relying on that type of of defense and they trust those players to be able to cover that caliber of offensive player so we will see there I think that's going to be super interesting and yeah and we kind of saw the the Josh Allen did come back to earth those past couple games like even with you know the the lackluster you know defensive slate he was going up against he was still really accurate like he was putting the ball uh, on the money and it was it was a huge shift from what we've seen in the past years of Josh Allen um, and then the you know the previous Josh Allen had kind of came back so so we'll see and it wasn't just that he was you know throwing two wide open targets in, in those first couple of games he was making some really nice passes so we'll have to see how that uh, it shift kind of happens. And, you know, the, the pressure rate thing, we're, we're starting to see Kansas City giving up a little more pressure on the offensive side than they have in the past. They've, you know, had a, a really good, you know, decent enough uh, offensive line. Um, but they're starting to crack a little bit, especially when, you know, these teams are now selling out to stop that deep pass. Patrick Mahomes is dropping a little deeper. That makes, that puts a little more stress on the offensive tackles. Um, so that, that creates more angles for pressure to come. And that's starting to get to the chiefs a little bit. And that's another part of what has kind of held back the chiefs, especially it did against the Raiders and, and a little earlier, you know, against the chargers as well. So we'll see if uh, Buffalo has the pieces uh, to take advantage of that. But it, I think it's definitely going to be uh, such an interesting game. Um, well, let me, and- let me pick one thing real quick. So you're talking because we talked about how the you know the Chargers historically, we know the Niners and the Super Bowl and you know the Raiders last week. Teams that kind of you know let let the the you know play softer, don't blitz, kind of force Mahomes and that offense going underneath has been successful. I mean, it's not coincidence that the Chargers are have blitzed the least amount in the NFL this year. Uh, the Raiders are uh, 28th in blitz rate. They only blitzed Mahomes five times last week in the entire game. Buffalo is eighth in the NFL, though, in amount of blitz. So do they stick to their knitting and, and kind of um, and continue that? Or do they follow and copy what, what's been, you know, semi-successful against Mahomes and sit back a little bit more? That's what um, I'll be curious, because we know Baltimore did not do that. Um, and they got torched. They just continued to send the house. Um, and they didn't change their game plan at all. So, and, you know, these defensive coordinators are very, very um, stubborn. They don't like to copy you know uh, uh, other successful defensive coordinators and defensive strategies they like to do what they kind of got them there so i'm curious to see if if they continue that or um if they um take a page out of the chargers and raiders playbook and uh, sit back a little bit more yeah we'll see it's interesting because i'm not totally sure that you know defensive coordinators are, are super stubborn because I think we saw, you know, a couple years ago uh, with the Rams when we started seeing some of those uh, six men uh, defensive fronts and playing a lot of quarters behind it, that was starting to slow down uh, the Rams. And, and that kind of started with, you know, uh, the Lions and, and Matt Patricia, uh, then the Bears used it. And then it went up to, you know, uh, New England in the Super Bowl. So they kind of started adapting. And I think we're, we're starting to see some teams start adapting to the Chiefs. And, and I don't think it's, you know, um, it's it's some you know secret sauce that's going to completely slow down um, slow down the Chiefs. I still don't think there's you know a complete there's no an- right answer to completely slow down the Chiefs. You're not going to stop them, uh, but it, it does you know it, it takes the ceiling down a little bit just because those big plays aren't 
always open. Uh, and in the Patrick Mahomes era before this, those big plays were always open uh, when they wanted to run them. And now uh, there's a little bit stopping them. So how the Chiefs adjust, I think, is going to be uh, something uh, really interesting to watch. I, I wonder if they're going to start, you know, thinking about ways to get more, you know, short and intermediate uh, passes uh, be uh, efficient and kind of first targets um, and, and opening those up instead of having those be, you know, the Edwards letter check downs uh, and things. And, and if we see them uh, start doing that, because I think we, we saw that in the first week, we saw them with that with Houston, uh, they were, you know, getting those short passes. And that, that was the first read. Uh, they realized what Houston was doing and, and they adjusted. And then they went deep later in the game. So I think we'll, we'll start seeing a, a mix of that. And I, it's going to be a super interesting matchup. Um, let's continue to move on. Let's just do the other you know, primetime game. There's no Thursday night game this week, but we still do get three primetime games. Oh, kind of primetime. If we're considering five Eastern primetime, I'm not sure. Um, we're, we're all around. We're all watching. If you, Everything's primetime right now because everyone just is sitting in front of a television. Uh, but Sunday night football, our Rams 49ers. These are two uh, very interesting teams that look like they're heading in different directions right now. The Rams uh, have really uh, picked it up. They uh, after you know a lackluster game against the Giants, um, they had a, a really nice game uh, against Washington um, and a defense, a Washington defense that had been playing well, but the, the Rams kind of uh, you know got back on, on their roll a, a little bit, and they were able to put up some nice points with some nice scheme. And the San Francisco 49ers are a team that uh, one of the healthier teams last year in just getting beat to the ground uh, by injuries. So we kind of saw that um, in. With with Jimmy Garoppolo, he had missed games, came back. Uh, that ankle it apparently was not a hundred percent. He got pulled uh, at halftime because it was just you know seven of seventeen. Uh, just it, 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 whether it looked like he could plant or not, he had you know two of the ugliest interceptions uh, you you would see from a quarterback. So we'll see. But I think more concerning to me uh, for the San Francisco uh, defense um, is. Uh, they never had a weak link before and, and defense is so often this weak link unit. Uh, and, and it's the Kyle Shanahan thing. He, he picks out your, your worst defensive player and he will target that player. Um, and against Miami last week, they had a uh, Brandon Allen, that cornerback, it was the clear weak link and Miami oh just went at him um, just uh, nonstop. And, and I mean, you, you felt bad for the guy, but um, it, that was something that this San Francisco defense has not had uh, in previous seasons. And with all the injuries, they have that now. And when you look at what Sean McVay is going to be scheming on the other side, if there's a weak link there, uh, this is going to be, you know, a scheme fest between these two guys. And, uh, but if San Francisco has that, you know, this Rams defense, I'm not sure if they really have the, the complete weak link right now because they're, they're starting to, to pick it up and play better. So uh, if the 49ers are still trying to, you know, mix and match guys in that secondary and mix and match guys uh, along the defensive line, I think that could definitely be a, a huge problem here. That's probably why you see the Rams favored by a field goal on the road. Yeah, I mean, I personally took uh, the three and a half this morning on San Francisco. I kept kind of waiting. Like the line, again, didn't really make that much sense to me. I thought maybe, you know, the Rams would be one two-point favorite. But, you know, because the San Francisco was a three-point favorite going into to last week. So, again, another similar to that Dallas game, but no injury here. You know, essentially a six-point flip. And I don't know if that was just the quarterback thing um, or just in general how bad 
know, San Francisco's looking. I, look, I, I, we didn't talk about it on the pod, but I know last week after the pod, the more I dug in, I was like, oh, I really like the Niners here. They have, you know, they're going up against Miami's linebackers, some of the worst um, coverage linebackers in the NFL, I thought for sure. Uh, you know, Shanahan would be able to exploit it. And it was just, I, I you know, my mistake, I ignored the uh, Niners quarterback situation. Um, you know, I thought Witherspoon would at least play. Um, and he was dressed, but at first they kept him out. And like I said, Brian Allen just got absolutely abused. I mean, there was one time it was like a third and 11, uh, I think at the uh, San Francisco 20 and 25. And he was playing tight coverage on Parker and Fitzpatrick saw it. He was a third and goal from the 20. <laughs> yeah. And he just, he threw, yeah, it was third and goal. He threw it up. It was, I mean, and he just completely torched him and I, and they showed the replay and I don't know what type of position Brian Allen was playing. He was literally like, um, he looked like a, a defensive basketball player in a defensive stance. Like, I don't even know what kind of stance he was in. It made no sense. And he just got burned and, and, you know, you just can't really account for those things. Um, so they finally put Witherspoon in. He only got 17 snaps, played a little bit better, but you know, it was just no match. Um, and so I, hopefully he, he's going to be healthy this week. Um, I think Mosley should be able to play. But really, the, the difference for me is, um, you know, we know the linebackers for San Francisco are really good in coverage. And, you know, I know Josh Norris was tweeting about this yesterday, just the lack of air yards that um, McVeigh and, and Goff are, are producing. I mean, they're throwing everything short, intermediate, and quick. Um, and that's where San Francisco's defense, really, that's the strength of their defense, their linebackers, they're the coverage linebackers. So, you know, do they have that kind of Devontae Parker, you know, 6'3 type of receiver on the outside to take advantage of these one-on-one matchups uh, if they get uh, against some of these weak cornerbacks for San Francisco? I don't know. I think it's more, you know, scheme-related, more quick throws. So I think that plays into uh, San Francisco's defense a little bit. Um, so you don't really – I'm not sure they can take advantage um, of the secondary uh, as much as maybe like a Fitzpatrick, who as we know is kind of a YOLO, let's just throw it up every time. He loves to take shots. So I, I think from that perspective, uh, the Niners are okay. Um, and I think the other side of the ball, again, I mean, the, the, the Rams linebacking court have been awful in coverage this year. Uh, Kenny Young, Micah Kaiser, Troy Reader. I mean, Kaiser was hurt last week, but he should play. They're very bad. So if, you know, if maybe they can, um, you know, get some, if they can protect the quarterback, whoever's going to play this week, you know, I think there's going to be good matchups for Kittle and those running backs and, you know, hopefully they show up this week. Uh, they didn't last week, but um, I just think that this is an overreaction. So uh, for me, this is kind of a Niners or nothing play. Uh, and I, I jumped on the Niners. Maybe I'll look bad back-to-back weeks, but I think this is, this is a little bit of an overreaction here. Yeah, I don't have a great feel for this game just because of the the Rams offense is so much – it's not a smoke and mirrors offense, but so much of it is not like real football to me. It's like all like schemed, uh, like you said, scheme stuff near the line of scrimmage. They're almost like masking golf. And anytime like I feel like you're hiding your quarterback, I, I, it never makes me feel good about your offense. And that's kind of what they've been so far. It's not really pushing the ball downfield. Everything is – play action you know guys in motion which is great it's a, it's it's a great coaching job by Sean McVay I just don't know how sustainable it's going to be against like really good defenses and relying on just yak to carry your entire offense passing game and if they're going to be able to run here uh, like they have you know in recent weeks because uh, we've seen the Giants with their front like gave them problems uh, you know the, the the one part good part of the Giants defense you know outside James Redbury is their you know their interior D-line is good and the 49ers interior D-line is still really good uh, so I mean it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because that Giants game was I think the the one thing that sticks out is like yeah 
yeah, all right. So if they play a team with a good front, like it, it could still be a problem uh, for them to run this short passing game. Uh, you know, if, if James Bradbury even tries to tackle Cooper Cup, maybe they even win that game. Uh, but I don't know. But the, yeah, this game, I just have such a bad feel because the Niners are just, they, it's so hard to back the, the Niners right now. Uh, just because their offensive line is playing awful. And we knew it was going to be a problem coming in with the injuries they had. Uh, they're not getting consistent quarterback play. Their wide receivers are making no plays at all. This is an offense, you know, last year that was all, you know, you're getting Debo, uh, you know, yards after the catch from all these guys. Outside of Kittle's game against the Eagles, I mean, they, there's not one standout performance. Like the best, the second best game they've had is like Brandon Ayuk against the Giants. Uh, it's they just don't have guys making plays right now uh, like they were a year ago and maybe that will happen as these guys get healthier but the Rams have also done like a curious thing on defense too they're like starting to scheme like Jalen Ramsey's like playing the slot now like the last two weeks which is really weird uh, I don't really know what the story is behind that you know they he didn't really he didn't shadow Terry McLaurin they just had him play in the slot um, which is interesting I thought maybe two weeks ago it was just for him to beat up on Golden Tate you know with their with their thing going on uh, but last week he played in the slot again so so it's just kind of a, an intriguing thing that, that they were doing defensively as well, schematically. Um, I just have really no great feel for this game. I probably won't touch it. Uh, just try to watch it and enjoy it, see what happens because of the Rams, how I feel about the Rams offense and how it's operating and just having no real feel for how the 49ers are going to sustain offense because um, they haven't done it. They haven't looked great at, at really at any point outside of facing the Jets and Giants. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, super interesting when we kind of look and especially this, you know, NFC West is going to, you know, be somewhat clustered. I mean, the the Rams and Seahawks kind of pulled themselves away while the the 49ers and and Cardinals have kind of struggled to figure out what they are. Uh but we'll see. I think this is going to be you know, we're, we're going to see, I think, which defense breaks first, because I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of scheme from these two head coaches. Uh, and they're going to be trying to pick at whatever they think uh, the opposing defense is not going to do well. So uh, whichever one blinks first, I think that that's, that's going to be what we see take advantage uh, in this game. And, uh, we'll have to see how healthy Jimmy Garoppolo is because um, if he looks anything uh, like he did last week in that first half performance, it's just, it's not going to uh, be good and not going to be close. Uh, it's honestly, a- I mean, it's honestly, he's played eight quarters and six have been pretty terrible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's and, you know, part of you know what, what you're looking at, even with, with, without that injury, we'll, we'll see. And you figure the injury played a part of it, but yeah, like you said, it hasn't been, you know, really great, the quarterback play. Um, and they've had to, you talk about, you know, the Rams having to scheme up Jared Goff, you know, they've had to scheme up uh, Jimmy Garoppolo early in this season too. And you saw, you know, they were scheming up, you know, Nick Mullins and, and CJ Beathard uh, as good, if not better at some points, you know, that, that last drive against, you know, the Philadelphia, um, basically the entire Giants game um, with Nick Mullins. Uh, I, I feel like Kyle Shanahan kind of goes into a different gear when his quarterback is terrible. Um, and that just kind of, it gets some extra juices flowing. We see some really interesting uh, scheme stuff there. So oh, maybe he's, sees Jimmy Garoppolo as not very good right now. And we see uh, some just extra scheme that really um, gets, gets going there. So uh, let's just continue uh, moving backwards on the slate. Uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, I think is, you know, we have two late afternoon games and that's one of them. The other one is Jets Dolphins. So everyone is going to be watching uh, uh, Packers. They got to fix that. How is that possible? I mean, what are yeah. they doing? 
Yeah, I think with with you know with some of the buys and, and moving you know Kansas City Buffalo to to Monday night, um, I I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But this is basically a national game. This is basically another primetime game because you know every everyone's going to be mm-hmm. watching uh, Packers Buccaneers. We have a Packers offense that's just uh, clicking probably more than it's clicked since you know MVP version of Aaron Rodgers. We have a Tampa Bay um, offense that's you know starting to click again. We have a Tampa Bay defense that's starting to play a little better, but uh, Vita Villa now out. That's a huge uh, loss on the the Tampa Bay defensive line, especially going against, you know, someone like Aaron Jones, um, where, you know, the Packers have been able to run up the middle and use him a little bit. So uh, I, this is an uh, incredibly uh, interesting matchup uh, to me. Um, what are your guys' takes on this game? Yeah, I, I hit Tampa plus three. It's and again late, late like minus one thirty. You're not gonna be able to find that anymore. I think it's it's trending down. I think it's at one and a half now. And to me, this is this is such a fun. I, I'm really excited. I was joking about the four thirty. At least if you're gonna have a kind of an isolated game, this is a great one to have because um, I think these are two of the better teams, obviously in the NFC. Um, but to me, again, dissimilar um, to, to what I was talking about Arizona earlier. I mean, Green Bay as great as their offense has been as great as Aaron Rodgers has been, I mean, they've been really, really fortunate um, uh, with who they've played against and who has been out. So they played the easiest schedule of run defenses so far based on success rate in the NFL, fourth easiest pass defense um, of schedule. So look who they've faced. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers against Atlanta on that Monday night when all of their safeties were out. You have the the Vikings week one when they literally have like the youngest um, secondary in the NFL um, and it's not even a good secondary. You've got the Lions, who was missing Trafant and like three of their, their top corners. I think that was um, Okuda's first game as a rookie. You know, the, sci- uh, the, the Saints quarterbacks haven't been very good this year. So they've really, really lucked out in who they face. And then, you know, I know Warren's talking about, has talked about this. Look at the, the opposing offenses they faced and who they were missing. It's like the number one receiver. If you're playing against Green Bay, you're going to be out. I mean, Michael Thomas didn't play. Kenny Galladay didn't play. Julio essentially had like 17 snaps or something in that Monday night. Ridley was playing hurt. So they've gotten really fortunate. I think Godwin is definitely going to play this week. I thought, um, you know, he was kind of kept out because it was a short week last week. So I, I, I'm pretty confident he'll play. Same with Evans. Um, and now we know Jair Alexander has been awesome. But again, he hasn't faced any number one uh, receivers. So even if he does face uh, Evans or Godwin, the other one should, should be able to exploit, um, you know, a Green Bay secondary that, isn't very good. 25th in, in DVOA pass defense. Um, and Green Bay has, has gotten no pressure on the quarterback, uh, third lowest pressure rate. Uh, and, you know, uh, whatever you want to say about Brady, you give him time, you give him a clean pocket, he's going he's gonna to hurt you even, even uh, this season at his age. I mean, he's 13th in the NFL in um, quarterback rating with a clean pocket. And I just think that, you know, uh, this is a much tougher test for that Green Bay has faced all season. Um, by far the best defense they've faced. I love the corners for uh, Tampa. Carlton Davis and, and Jamal Dean have been really, really good. Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, has been awesome. I, I think this is a great matchup, but I think this is too many. I don't think Tampa should be an underdog here at home. I know, you know, home field advantage is what it is, but I think just from a, a scheduling perspective, um, they have a lot of advantages here uh, over Green Bay. I just don't think Green Bay has been tested enough. So, Good game. I think it's going to be a fun game, but if you can get Tampa plus uh, plus points, I think that's a smart way to go. 
I like the points here. That's a, the 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 game total a lot. I think this game could really pop because the only pushback I'll have on the Packers side is they haven't played anyone, but it's not like the Arizona side where they've kind of fumbled their way offensively. Like the Packers have roasted these teams, and that's what good offenses are supposed oh, yeah. to do against bad defenses. That's what Aaron Rodgers will do. There's no doubt. And he hasn't had Devontae Adams. I mean, he he went out and threw three touchdowns to Bob Tanyan on Monday night. The game before, they put up 37 points with Alan Lazard uh, as his lead wide receiver and, make, and made Lazard look amazing. Uh, they, they put up 42 points on the on the Lions. Like, that's what good offenses are supposed to do. And we've seen the Bucs give up 38, 31 on offense to a rookie quarterback at home in Justin Herbert. So I think this game could pop for sure. Vita Vey, the loss of Vita Vey. And the other thing is, as well as Rodgers is playing, he's facing a complete pass funnel defense. Like the one thing I feel like you'd want the Packers to do right now is just hand them off to Aaron Jones a bunch. And it's not going to happen because of the way the Bucks play defense and the way Todd Bowles can't get out. Like Todd Bowles is going to bring, bring pressure and he's going to try to sell up, stop the run. That's what he does. And I feel like that's the opposite of how you want to approach playing Aaron Rodgers right now. Uh, I would rather be just like let Aaron, Aaron Jones try to cut me to death uh, and Jamal Williams uh, instead of just putting the ball in the hands of Aaron Rodgers. And he's getting Devonte Adams back by the way, uh, in a spot where he's probably going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage. So uh, they, they haven't really been shadowing those guys. Carlton Davis played great, but he hasn't really been shadowing. If you look at number one wide receivers against Tampa, they've given up eight catches to Keenan Allen, nine to Robbie Anderson, 10 to Allen, Allen Robinson. There's, gonna, there's opportunity here for uh, Devontae Adams to come right off the shelf and get a bunch of targets and a bunch of catches. And on the other side, you hit on it. When you look at Brady, it still comes down to one thing with Brady, and it's similar to Goff, and uh, you know it's similar to Baker Mayfield in the spot he's in. These guys are awful under pressure. And when you let them stand back there and they're clean, they're great. Uh, and the Packers aren't going to put pressure on Tom Brady. So what's Tom Brady going to do? He's going to sit back there and spread it around. And the other thing, too, is the Bucks are a good power run team, uh, and they're going to run the ball downhill uh, with Ronald Jones and if Leonard Ferretti's there, too. So, like, I, I like this game a lot. I think both offenses are in a spot to succeed. Uh, I think there's going to be points scored in that game. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the matchup and seeing how Rodgers does play against the best defense he's played, but also against a defense that's going to invite him to beat him. I mean, that's what Todd Bowles is going to do. So it's going to be – we'll get a real, like, nice baseline to see if, like, 2014 Aaron Rodgers is actually back. No, you make some good points. And, you know, we always talk about early down success rates, right? Well, you got the number one offense in Green Bay against the number one defense in Tampa. So this is a clash of the Titans. So really looking forward to this game. Yeah, and one of those things that you said – how Tampa is going to face Rodgers. And it's something where Aaron Rodgers just has a trust in this game that he didn't have last year. Um, and he's way more comfortable throwing some of those, you know, underneath routes, you know, earlier in the down, um, you know, before he really, you know, it gives up on a play. And so much of this offense now is in rhythm. And we'll see if Tampa Bay is going to bring that blitz, uh, Rodgers is going to have no problem getting that short slant off or, or one of those short crossers going across, you know, the short intermediate area of the field and, and those passes are coming so much more often now than they were last year and it's just helping keep that offense in rhythm there's so much trust there uh and it's it's really adds part of what has kept the Packers offense going and allowed those deep shots to happen at, at a better rate and, and a more explosive rate than they were uh, last year when he was just you know either throwing deep or throwing it away and that was basically the Packers passing offense last year so let's hit on one quick one uh early slate game before uh we get off uh 
the Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think this is going to be a much more interesting game than it might have looked like earlier in the season. The Browns really starting to hit their stride, especially on offense. But they're going to be a Steelers defense, a Weasel League in pressure rate. Uh, TJ Watt has just been uh, absolutely incredible. So I think that side of the ball is, I think, one of the more interesting um, matchups we could see on Sunday. Yeah, another and, strength for strength. Is, uh, yeah, and you so know. you've got two Cleveland guys, by the way, <laughs> me and Rich. We got it, so we definitely have to hit on, hit on this real quick. But yeah, as you mentioned, and, and you know, Rich responded to me yesterday when I, I tweeted about it. The 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 Steelers defense is kind of weird. They're number one, like you mentioned, in adjusted line yards on defense, number one in pressure rate, number one in sack rate, but they're um allowing the highest average depth of target on throws. They're 31st in DVOA um defense versus the deep ball. They've allowed the, the eighth highest percentage of 20 plus yard throws. It's like all or nothing. It's either you get to the quarterback and, and you abuse the quarterback or you get beat up top. So um I'm curious to see how. Uh, the Browns uh, approach this because that's not their nature. And Baker's horrible uh, against pressure. He's 31st in the NFL in QB rating, 27th in, in completion percentage, 29th in yards per attempt uh, out of 32 starting quarterbacks. Um, so, and we know, I mean, uh, I've watched enough Baker Mayfield over three years. He really struggles against pressure. You get in his face, you don't let him scramble, um, get out of the pocket, and, and he's really going to struggle. So I'm, I personally am shocked that this line is dropping to three. Uh, I don't know where that's coming from. I think the Steelers are overrated, but I just think from a pure matchup perspective, uh, I would have to go with the Steelers here. So uh, curious, Rich, are your thoughts on, on how uh, Baker matches up against this defense? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you've seen it last week. So the Browns faced the best run defense that they had faced on the season, and they, you know, still ran the ball. The attempts were there, and the, the game script was there, but they kind of, you know, ha- were forced to put the ball in the air a little bit more. Uh, than they had been, you know, in previous games where they against Washington and Dallas, where they just really just ran down their both teams' throats. Uh, Steelers are going to be a team that they're going to have to earn every yard rushing, so they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game. And I'm someone I bet Pittsburgh last week because I just thought it was such a mismatch. And I'm watching that game and they get to every third and ten. It's like third and eight, third and nine, third and eleven, and then the Eagles just pick up every third down. And I'm just like, and I go back and look at the other games, and it was the same thing against the Broncos. Like they would get the third down and they're giving up big plays. And then I start looking at it's like every game they they're great on first and second down they're giving up these huge splash plays so cleveland's going to hit some of those i think what this game comes down to me uh because it's a strength for strength i think you know brown's offensive line or steelers defensive line and then you know uh uh, inversely as well too the Browns defensive line is, is playing phenomenal uh, it just comes down to me believing more in the Pittsburgh passing game versus the Browns pass defense than believing in the Browns passing game versus the Pittsburgh pass defense I think that that's just the the, the where you cut the the, the line uh, I think that that game has a chance to get over though too I think that game has a chance to go over the, the total too I think it's what 50 or 51 um, I think there could be a game in the it could be in the mid-20s but uh I think that the, the biggest, if you're taking the weakest link in this game out of anything, it's probably the Browns secondary. Uh, and that, that's probably where I, I just inch towards the Steelers if they're going to keep, if the point total is going to keep dropping in their favor. Yeah, absolutely. I, this, the Steelers, it's so interesting because there, there are those parts that are doing so well. They're, they're creating pressure. Even on those third downs, you're saying, looking at uh, Sports Info Solutions right now, the Steelers lead the league in pressure rate on third down, 78.4% pressure rate on third down. That's insane. So they are, they are sending uh, a lot of pressure and they are getting pressure. The next team, the next best team is the Dolphins at 63.9%. So that's 78.4 to 63.9 separates one and two uh, on pressure rate on, on third down, but the, the corners just aren't really uh, holding up. And we see that mm-hmm. 
it gave me a little bit of hesitation to make Carson Wentz, you know, look like uh, well, Travis Fulgham looked like <laughs> yeah, right. And all all pro Travis Fulgham uh, last <laughs> week, but yeah, you see that Steelers defense was supposed to be this dominant unit. And, Philadelphia hasn't been able to move the ball at all uh, the past couple weeks. And then they go against a Pittsburgh defense and then they're able to, you know, move the ball enough and at least look like a league average offense. So when you look at what, you know, Kevin Stefanski is going to be able to do to scheme against um, and when the corners and the secondary are kind of the issue, um, when you're going against an Odell Beckham, who finally looks healthy, uh, Jarvis Landry, who um, has, uh, who flashed last week um, more than he's flashed in the past couple couple weeks um even you know Richard Higgins when they go to uh, 11 personnel or even sometimes when they're in 12 they have Higgins as a number two a guy so I think they're going to be able to take advantage uh, of that of uh those corners who just are, are playing up to par as they were uh, last year so it's going to be it's super interesting it's going to be you know super play action heavy and you know you look at Ben Roethlisberger barely threw the ball you know beyond you know five yards past the line of scrimmage last week anytime he did that uh, it was to chase Claypool and that worked out very well for uh for the Steelers but uh, you know we'll see that that's uh, an offense that I, I'm a little worried about about their ceiling um and you know the, the Cleveland secondary obviously like you said not great but you know Denzel Ward while playing well I think they're they're starting to figure out their safeties and I think one of the interesting things they did against Indianapolis is the way they kind of it, disguise their coverage and that's kind of how they're making up for some of the personnel play uh and you know both uh interceptions they forced on philip rivers uh they disguised the pre-snap look either going from you know too high to a single high uh, or a single high to, to too high and that's kind of how they they worked philip rivers uh last week and kind of forcing some some throws he wouldn't normally make so i, I think that that's going to be interesting um you know, but that that's definitely a gives them a leg up. This is going to be a huge wild card berth. I'm not sure if either one of these teams, you know, catches up to the Ravens by the end of the season. Uh, but this, you know, puts one of these teams, um, you know, leg up. If the Browns will win this one and then they're five and one, like <laughs> this, this is a surprise Browns team. That's I think starting to click a little bit. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. That's definitely, I think that the highlight to me of, of the 1 PM slate. So I think we are going to uh, end this show here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Remember, uh, you can find all our work on Sharp Football Analysis. The code SHARP20 will get you 20% off uh, any of the packages on the site. That includes Rich's uh, excellent worksheet that he's been uh, putting out with the constant changes uh, uh, through everything going on, uh, the game scheduling and players uh, dropping. Rich has been on top of it. If you're not reading Rich's worksheet, the, the best fantasy, um, you know, the content out there, uh, you you should be doing that. Uh, also, listen to uh, Rich and Chad Scott on the Pre-Snap Motion a podcast. That's their weekly fantasy football a podcast. So you can find Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can find TA on Twitter at Cleave TA. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. 